Hallelujah. Thank you, baby. Great job. Thank you. Amen. Amen, amen, amen. Amen. I'm going to ask you the question you're never supposed to ask. Why are you here? Some of you don't think about it too hard. Why are we here this morning? Did someone make us come? All the kids said, yes. Yes, had I had a choice, I would be worshiping with the Lord between the sheets. I want to read a scripture to you to kind of set where we're going this morning. And uh, to just change the way that we're thinking just for a moment, okay? I want you to look at 1 Thessalonians chapter 2, uh, verse 13, out of the Amplified. And it says, And we also especially thank God continually for this, that when you received the message of God, which you heard from us, you welcomed it not as the word of mere men, but as is truly is the word of God, which is effectually at work in you who believe. Here's my favorite part. You ready? Exercising its superhuman power in those who adhere to, trust in, and rely on it. Amen? If we stay in the natural this morning, we're going to miss what God has for us. Amen? If we're more concerned about the temporal things, how cold it is, what time it is, how hungry we are, what I have to do when I get home, you know, my shopping list, all those types of things, then we are thinking as natural men and women. Amen? And the things of the Spirit cannot be received by a natural man. So what I want to encourage us to do, I am not a long-winded preacher. Amen? Amen. I am not a long-winded preacher. Uh, I, 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 I prepare, I, I, I try and uh, do the best that I can, but I'm not an hour or two hour preacher. Everybody said? Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. We could head in that direction if you'd like, but I would rather be powerful and impactful for a few minutes. Amen. But in order for us to do that, I need your help. I need some energy. And not the energy of the flesh. But when we will make a choice right now that I'm going to step into the spirit, that I'm going to push aside every distraction and anything that would try and hinder me from getting. See, you're not looking at the words from Pastor Jack. The Bible said you receive the word as if it was from God. My favorite song in the whole world right now is I think it's Elevation. But but what would you do if he walked into the room? Have you heard that song? What would we do if Jesus himself walked down that aisle, came up behind this podium, and opened up himself, the word, and started preaching to us? Would our phone lose value in a heartbeat? Would we hold it if we had to go to the bathroom? Come on. What would we do if he really walked into the room? Well, 
not pridefully, but he is in the room. He is in the room and he's in each and every one of us. So just because he's not in all of his robes doesn't mean that we should act any differently to the word of God because Jesus is the word. And when the word is preached, then he manifests in our presence. So as we go into this, we're gonna finish up our series today on the five things that keep us out of the promised land. But if you'll just stay with me for a few minutes, amen? If you'll believe, I need to pull, pull up, pull, use your faith right now. Begin to use your faith because you can pull stuff out of me that I don't even know that's in there. I've done everything I know how to study, how to pray, how to be ready for this. Okay, but there's still some things in me that you need. And if you'll pull on them by faith, you'll get what you need this morning. Come on. Amen. Now, the good thing about this morning's message is it's really not to the church of West Houston Christian Center. Thank God. Amen. Praise God. The number one thing that kept Israel out of their promised land was that they desired and they went after things that they weren't supposed to. When they were in the wilderness, there was a rabble that was with them that came out of Egypt. That group started desiring the old cooking that they used to have back in Egypt. The big chicken fried steak with the cream gravy and the mashed potatoes and the green beans with bacon in them. You know, and those big fluffy biscuits, they begin to, to long for the things they used to have. Well, that infected Israel where they in turn started asking and wanting those old things, amen? And God, what Satan was trying to do was, is that Satan always wants to do this, okay? He always wants to be the source. He always wanted to be the source. I will go on the high mountain. I will be the one that gets all the praise. Satan has always wanted to be the source. And so Satan, what he tried to do immediately with the food, with Israel, is to change them from their source to get them from one thing onto another thing, amen? The second thing that he tried to do was to make them their own source through idolatry. I don't care what your source is just as long as it is in God, amen? I don't care, Satan doesn't care what your source is as long as it is in God. So whatever you put on your heart is that idol, that's your source, amen? Satan doesn't care. The third thing that he did was that through fornication, which is any sex outside of marriage, he tried to give them a counterfeit with the intimacy with God by giving them fornication to, to, to be a, a counterfeit to intimacy with God. Amen. And what I'm, not, what I'm leaving out is the tens of thousands that died immediately when they did these things. 23,000 here, 15,000 there. The Bible says that God was displeased with many of them and they did not enter into their promised land because of these things. Amen? Number four, which we talked about last week, was they tempted God. They watched what God did over and over and over. He parted the Red Sea. He fed them. He gave them water. He healed them. He did all these things. And yet the next day they would stand up and say, God hasn't done anything for me. They did not put any faith in his power to continually heal and deliver them. They tempted Christ. And then finally, and I'm so glad, this is not about this church, this is for another church. They murmured and complained. Amen? 
the number five thing, the thing that we're going to talk about this morning, the thing that kept Israel out of the promised land was murmuring and complaining. I, I did the study. I had to make sure that those words meant what I thought that they meant because I'm like, Lord, we complain all the time. I murmur. I wake up murmuring sometimes. Oh, I don't want to get up. Oh, where's the hot water? Oh, who left this on the table? Oh, who did this? We're murmuring and complaining. But finally, Israel got to the level with God where they were constantly in a state of murmuring and complaining. Murmuring and complaining, murmuring and complaining. Now you got to remember 1 Corinthians chapter 10. Now all these things happened to them as an example, say example, and they were written for our admonition upon whom the end of the ages have come. Admonition is another way of saying instruction. Paul is giving us instruction as the church in 2020 not to go down these paths. He's instructing us on how to get into our promised land. He's saying, if you'll not do these five things, you will be able to enter in. And that fifth thing, I like it out of the New Living Translation, uh, 1 Corinthians 10. It says, these things happened to them as an example for us. They were written down to warn us who live out the end of the age. These are warnings to us that these things could happen to us if we allow proud in our heart, pride in our hearts and allow these things to happen. 1 Corinthians chapter 10.10 says, Nor complain, as some of them also complained and were destroyed by the destroyer. Now let's just be real honest. In any of these five things, if there was an instant curse that took place when we did them, would we do them? If you're at the table and little Jimmy next to you started complaining that he was having the same thing to eat as he had yesterday and he instantly died, would we be complaining about what we were eating that morning? If there was mass fornication that was taking place in the camp and every one of those people died, do you think that the fornication problem got cleaned up pretty quick? Do you think it got fixed pretty quick? Do you think anybody was thought, well, that's just a coincidence that 23,000 people all up and exploded at one time. So our issue in the New Testament is, is that we don't perceive the curse that's associated with breaking one of these five things. We don't see it immediately. But listen to me, that's the deception. It doesn't mean it's not just as real. It doesn't mean that we don't suffer the same consequences as they did because it keeps us out of our land of more than enough. Amen. I want you to notice that Israel had to deal with their flesh in the land of just enough, the wilderness, so that they were now able to stand against giants in the land of more than enough. If you're not whole, if you are not whole and already have made decisions about the lifestyle that you're going to live, reflecting what Jesus Christ did for you on the cross, then you are not prepared to speak to a giant about covenant. The way that you're going to face your giants in the New Testament, in the land of more than enough, is through covenant. Not on sense knowledge, 
Not on church attendance, not on t-shirts, billboards, how many programs you've watched. It's going to be, we have to have a revelation of the covenant power of God and able to go into our promised land and to take it. And not just to take it, but to keep it. Amen? He wants us to keep it. Listen to me, this is good. There are at least 16 occasions the people of Israel murmured and complained publicly against Moses. 16. 16. Here's just a couple of them. Exodus chapter 16, verse 2. And the whole, say whole. The whole congregation of Israel murmured against Moses and Aaron in the wilderness. The whole congregation. The whole congregation. Three million people murmuring at the same time, complaining at the same time. You think it's rough Christmas morning at your house. <laughs> Numbers 14:36. And the men which Moses sent to spy out the land who returned and made all the congregation to murmur against him and bring slander on the land. Look at me. Look at what look at what murmuring just did. God they sent 12 spies to go spy out the promised land. They are ready to go in. This is it. We are going in. Two of them came back with a good report. Ten of them came back with a bad report, an evil report. What was evil about the report? Did they just report what they saw? Did they make anything up? Were there, did they make up monsters and lions and tigers and bears? Oh, my. Did they, what, what was evil about the report? Because it was contrary to what God had already said. God said, I am giving you a land flowing with milk and honey. I am giving you this land. This is your land, and it's an internal inheritance. It is yours forever. But they were moved by what they saw. They felt like grasshoppers in their sight. Folks, they came back with grapes. I mean, it was, it was, it was overflowing with prosperity. But yet they chose not to believe in what God had already done and what he'd already promised. That is the definition of unbelief. When I know the power of God, when I've experienced the power of God, when I've seen the power of God, yet when I come up again to it, I'm like, I just don't think he can do it. And God was sorely disappointed with them at that time. Sorely disappointed. Number 1641. But on the morrow, all of the congregation, say all, all of the con congregation of Israel murmured against Moses. Now look, there's an election going on. And you got half the, well, really only about what, a fourth of the country votes? That's about a good analogy. Believe it or not, in our nation, only about a fourth of our, our nation votes. Amen. And of those fourth, half of us are, are voting one way and the other half are voting one way. One half is always murmuring against who's ever in power, right? Always murmuring. But imagine if the whole nation, 300 million people were all murmuring at the same time against one person. Think about that. I mean, you think that it's bad now. Think about how it was back then in the wilderness. Three. Uh, three million people all against one man, God's own man. Amen. Murmuring. Listen to me. I, I, the Lord said this this morning. He says, murmuring and complaining is where revival goes to die. 
Murmuring and complaining is where revival goes to die. If we are wanting a move of God in this place, and I really believe that we do, amen? And maybe I'll have to be more uh, better at describing what that looks like. When I say a move of God, that can mean anything to anybody. But when I'm talking about God's power and presence being manifested on a regular basis in this sanctuary where people are changed, that's what I'm talking about. Amen. It's not about exalting a man or a person or, or those types of things. It's about such a revelation of the love of God and the power of God that it's almost tangible in this place. Amen. We should see it. We should smell it. We should feel it. Amen. But murmuring and complaining is where revival goes to die. If we want revival, if we want a move of God, then we have to cut out all the murmuring and complaining. Amen. To murmur means to grumble. I'll tell you something. So imagine three million people. All right, let's all do it together. Are you ready? One, two, three. I'll tell you one thing. I don't know what he thinks he's doing, but I'll tell him. I don't know who, who died and made him king up there, but I'll tell you, I'm just as good. I had an uncle once that was in the army, and he's, I know some stuff, and I can do I'm just grumble. I don't know who you think you are. And I'm so glad none of us ever do it, right? How many of you grumble at the TV? I'll tell you one thing. You're not going to talk to me like, bless God. Honey, did you hear what that man just said? Now, let me show you how murmuring works. Because this will explain some of the people that you've met in your life. Murmuring starts like this. I just don't know who he thinks he is up there on that platform telling me how I'm supposed to live my life. It starts talking to yourself. Then you get your wife. Honey, can you believe what he just said? I cannot believe. And then you get so caught up with it that now you're telling any and everybody whether it involves them or not. Have you ever run into that person and you can't figure out why they're telling you what they're telling you? but they're so angry about something that has absolutely nothing to do with you? Where did that come from? It started off like this. Well, I just don't know why. I don't know why they do it that way. We start murmuring to ourselves first. And then when that's not good enough, I now need to share it with someone close, those that are around me. Have you noticed how some people, there used to be a lot of people in one section, then slowly everybody begins to move away, and there's only one person in that section? Joel, you're fine. You're good, brother. Why is that? Because murmuring, one of its natural productions, what it does is it pushes people away. It's a division. When I start murmuring and when I start complaining... I am not drawing people to me. I am now beginning to push them away. Does real, let's be honest. Does anybody like to be with anybody that complains the whole time? That's why it's so dangerous in marriage. Our marriages have to be more than two people just complaining about everything all day, every day. When you have stepped over into that, somebody has to be the, put on the big boy pants or big girl pants, not literally, thin, but share, amen, somebody's got to stop it. You know what all these riots are? It's groups of people 
that have taken murmuring and complaining to the next level. They've now given feet to it and deciding that burning and breaking and stealing and hurting because we have a complaint we're murmuring, now we're all together, now we're complaining in unison, and now it's turned destructive. Yeah. But get, get this, but it doesn't change anything. Murmuring and complaining does not have the power to bring any change to anything in your life. It really is the lazy way out. Have you ever worked with this guy who was always smarter than the boss? He can always do it better. Amen. He's 10 times wiser, 10 times smarter. If I was in charge, if I had the Houston Texans, I'd tell you exactly what I would do. There's a reason you're not a billionaire. And that's reason number one. Amen. We complain about everything. We complain about the weather. Okay, Houston in August. Oh, it's so hot. Why is it so hot? As if we have any control over it. We complain when we have to wait too long at Starbucks. Why is this line so long? This is not right. We complain when our food comes out. I know people, all they, that doesn't matter how their food comes out the first time, they're going to complain because I have a right I bought that Happy Meal, and if my Happy Meal, and I'm be honest with you, I found that the lower, the mo, the lesser expensive the food, the more complaining goes along with it. Like McDonald's is going to get it right, right? Oh yeah, they're going to crush it every time. I didn't want pickles on my quarter pounder. It is in us. And I'm trying to bring some joy into it so that we all recognize that it's something that each and every one of us has to deal with at some level. Yeah. Amen? Yeah. But I'm telling you that when we let it go too far, that it will keep you from your promised land. When, we are, when our first instinct is to complain about something, there's a problem. When the first, first action is an action of resistance and to complain and to tell somebody why they can't do something, there's a problem. We have to guard our hearts to make sure that I am. Now listen to me. There's a difference between discussing content. We can discuss these things as rational human beings. Maybe I don't agree with something. If I'm saying I don't agree with something, I'm not saying, I'm not complaining. I'm just saying, I don't understand this portion. Please explain it to me. Amen. And just because I don't understand something doesn't necessarily mean that that other person doesn't know what they're talking about. There's a lot of misunderstanding in our world today. Amen. Because we've already made up our minds about everything. And when you get two people that have already made up their minds about everything, what's left? Nothing. Let's just complain. <laughs> then it turns personal. Well, you're fat. Well, you're ugly. <laughs> have you heard it in politics? When people start attacking each other's personal appearance, they've run out of things to talk about. Come on. Murmuring and complaining is the language of the unthankful 
the lazy, and the rebellious. It's what got the devil kicked out of heaven. The devil murmured to himself, well, why does God get to be up there in heaven? Why does he get to do everything? I'm just as good. I, I, you know, why does he get to be all the, get all the praise? Why is he up on the mountain? Why am I down here on earth? What, what did I ever do? I worked hard at this place. Imagine, it started off like that and he infected a third of the angels by the time it was said and done. His murmuring and complaining began to affect those that he worked with and a third of all the angels were kicked out of heaven because of murmuring and complaining. Don't tell me that this isn't something that's serious. It separates us from God. Amen? I don't know anybody that ever got rich complaining. I don't know anybody that ever prospered by complaining. Amen? The root, the root, I'll get this and I'm almost done. The root of murmuring and complaining is rebellion. It is the root of murmuring and complaining. When someone asks us to do something and we're like, I don't know who you're talking to. <laughs> you, you go pick that up. Husbands and wives, when we, our, our spouses ask us to do something and we're like, well, I don't know. I work all day. I got a job. You, go, you know what I'm saying? When we do that, first you're going to get killed for doing that. <laughs> this is Texas and we all got guns. You're going to get shot. Right? No. But I'm saying... What am I saying? I'm saying, you can't make me do anything. I dare you. You can't make me do anything. And I know something about rebellion. Flowed in it for many, many years. Should have been dead. Sometimes I wondered if, if and, and I know you never did it, but if she ever came in my room with a pillow. <laughs> and like, baby, why don't you just go to sleep? <laughs> oh, that's terrible. That's terrible. But I did. I complained about church. I complained about God. I complained about everything. Why is it? Because there was rebellion in my heart. I was rebellious. I was full of rebellion. Didn't even know why, but I just, I just, well, I want to go do fun things. I don't want to go to church. We go to church all the time. Then God played this sick joke on me and made me a pastor, and now I'm at church all the time. I'm here all the time. I'm doing extra meetings. I'm here all the time. God's funny. Hey, you wait. You wait. So how do we deal with murmuring and complaining? It's very, 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 very simple. Philippians 2.14. This will fix everything, okay? Philippians 2.14. Do everything without complaining or arguing. Do everything. Say everything. everything. What does everything mean? Everything. everything. Now, we don't do things that are immoral, amen. We don't do things that are gonna harm somebody. That's not what I'm talking about. 
but it's about developing an attitude and that really is one of the, the aspects of the love of God is that I love you, therefore I, I wanna be a blessing to you. Amen. I want to help you. I want to get things to you. See, as a true believer, as a true follower of Christ, my job is to get what I have to you. It's not to get anything from you to me. I'm trying to get everything that I have to you. I'm trying to get you healed. I'm trying to get you whole. I'm trying to get you delivered. I'm trying to tell you that if God will do it for me, he'll do it for you. If God can take a 13-year-old a, a rebellious little hellion and turn him into a preacher, he can do, uh, what can he not do for you? I'm trying to tell you that God can do all these things, but we gotta get these things out of our life. We have to learn to do all things. And folks, let me tell you, your flesh is not going to enjoy this because complaining is addictive. It comes so natural to us. Some people do it, they don't even know they're doing it, but it's a constant complaint about things. Turn off the TV. I encourage everyone, turn off your television. You, there's, nothing, you, there's nothing new that you need to know. Amen. If you want to you watch a good program, Brother Tracy does a 12 o'clock everyday prayer time from 12 to 1. It's on Harvest International Ministries on Facebook, and it's called The Dividing Line. It's everything that you're going to need to know moving into the elections and afterwards. But it's based on the Word, and it's based in prayer. And it's prophetic and God is speaking before the news knows what's happened. It's being spoken on that program. Amen. Let's get the news first. Amen. I've never complained about one thing God's ever said to me. Jack, I love you. Oh, great. Gosh. Jack, I want to prosper you. I'm going to give you a beautiful wife. Why me, God? Me again. I never complain about the things that God does for me because he does them in love. Amen. First Thessalonians 518. Give thanks in every circumstance for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. Let me share something with you real quick. The first time the word abundance is used in the Bible, you would think that the word abundance would be a good thing, correct? He abundantly blessed them. He abundantly loved them. He gave them an abundance, 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 abundantly. That is a positive word of faith kind of word that we love. But look at this, Deuteronomy 28, chapters four, uh, 28, 46, 47, it says, these curses will be a sign and a wonder upon you and your descendants forever because you did not serve the Lord your God with joy and gladness of heart in all your abundance. First time the word abundance is used in the Bible, it's in one of the curses in Deuteronomy. And it's because people like us complained about what they didn't have without recognizing all the abundance of what we do have. We're blessed. We are blessed to live in this nation that we live in. We are blessed to live in the United States of America. We're blessed. Folks, you know, you can go to the store right now and pick out more than one type of chip. You ever seen the chip aisle? There's abundance. There's abundance. Amen. There's food everywhere. There's opportunity everywhere. 
This is the most prosperous nation with the greatest economy the world has ever seen. But you don't believe me because you've listened to another voice that's tried to talk you out of your abundance and tell you that it's not the land of opportunity, that it's not the land of more than enough. Listen to me. We have an entire generation of people, and I'm finishing with this, that have on $400 shoes with $1,200 phones with $1,800 laptops, and they don't think they have anything. They have, been, they have bought the lie that what they have isn't enough and that somebody owes me more. And I'm telling you, and I said it last week and I'll say it again, nobody is entitled to your blessing. If you do the steps of faith, you believe God, you get a job, you work hard, you save, you buy yourself something, no one, look at me, no one is entitled to anything that you have if they're not willing to do what you did to get it. That is the spirit that is trying to perforate this country is that you can do nothing and get something. And that is a lie and it will leave you frustrated, angry, and lonely. No one is entitled. Family members, listen to me. Your family members are not, they don't get your blessing just because they're your family. Isn't it amazing when you win the lottery, how many uncles and aunts you have? Come on. How do we deal with murmuring and complaining? We deal with it immediately when it shows up and we begin to be thankful for what we have. Listen to me, you might not be thankful for President Trump. You might not be thankful for Vice President Biden, but we can say positive things about them. I don't have to complain about them constantly because who you're complaining against, it's not hurting them, it's hurting you. It's coming back on you. You might not like what they stand for. You might not like what they want to do. That's fine. We have the, we, and you know how we get to deal with that? Two weeks from Tuesday, three weeks from Tuesday. That's how you get to air how you feel about the current government that we live in. But that's it. We get to go vote. Amen. That's how I speak, how I feel about those that are in power. I don't rip them apart. Amen. That's wrong. That's demonic. Amen. So Ephesians 520. Always giving thanks for everything to God. The father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. I want to live in thankfulness. Had Israel been thankful for all that God had already done for them, they wouldn't have spent 40 years in the wilderness. Amen have an attitude of gratitude. I'm thankful, I'm thankful, God, I'm thankful. You know what, whatever happens on election day, I'm, I'm thankful. Th those people can't control my blessing. They can't control my blessing. God, God prospered people in faraway lands that never even went to Israel. But he's, he blessed his people because we're following after God. We're not following after a political party. If you're looking for a political party to be a blessing to you, you're in deep trouble. You know why? Because it's made up of people just like you and me. And we all got our own ideas about how this thing should work. Amen? Hallelujah. So we're not going to grumble. We're not going to murmur. 
We're not going to complain. No matter how long Pastor Jack goes, I'm going to smile. I'm not going to complain. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's stand up. Hallelujah. Next Sunday, our founding pastor, Pastor Jack R. Pigeon, is going to bring it. Sunday morning, you want to be here for that? And then Sunday night at 6 o'clock, you want to be here. Dr. Jerry Savell, he is our, our, the head of uh, Heritage of Faith, is who we're all licensed through, who our church is under. And uh, we're excited that we're going to have him for the Sunday night service. It's going to be a great time. We'll have child care zero to five for that service. And so uh, that'll be awesome. But bring your kids. Your brother Jerry's one of the most personable, best teachers that I know. And uh, he's a close friend of ours, and we love him very, very much. So you want to be here for that. Amen. It'll be here at 6 o'clock. Everybody say 6. 6 o'clock. And if you're really good the following week, I'll give you daylight savings so you can get extra hours sleep. If y'all will come, I will work that out where y'all get an extra hour the following. Because I have that kind of, you know. Amen. Father, we thank you for this day that you've made. We're going to rejoice. Just rejoice. Rejoice. Thank God. Hallelujah. Thank you, God. Woo! Glory to God. Oh, we're so blessed. We're so happy, Lord. We're thrilled. We're joyful. Doesn't matter what the Astros do. Doesn't matter what the Texans do. Doesn't matter. We're happy. We're good. We're, oh, we're going to heaven. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Well, the pastors, pastors, Jack and Mary Jean, Jack and Michelle, everybody, we love you very, very much. Jesus is Lord. Don't forget to pick up your children. You're dismissed. <laughs>